is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. And today will be better than yesterday. Working from the pulpit back in Bristol is the Reverend Taylor Schwenk. Uh, Sarah Abbott is working from the hangar and I'm Buster only back in Montana. Guys, uh, I got a little sunburn on my temple on Tuesday this morning. The temperature in Montana is minus 12. Okay, something like can we find something in between? Well, Buster, hopefully that cold air feels good on the sunburn. I mean, I guess that's what the doctor would prescribe for you. But yeah, that's a little bit drastic. I gotta go and yeah. like blow, you know, use a snowblower out on the driveway. And with, you know, with the wind blowing everything, it's like twenty-five. Like the real feel is like minus thirty here. Yeah, no thanks. I'm good. I'll pass on that. <laughs> well, it's a lot warmer in Arizona. The San Diego Padres will play their first uh, spring training game on Friday in Arizona in Peoria, uh, but Fernando Tatis Jr. isn't expected to be in the lineup. However, Bob Melvin, the Padres manager, just raved about how good he's looked, uh, how the transition's going for him to the outfield. We're going to have a conversation about Tatis Jr. coming up with Carl Ravitch. Houston right-hander Lance McCullers Jr. says he will miss opening day because of his strained muscle in his pitching arm. Here's Lance McCullers speaking with the reporters. Had a great offseason and was incredibly excited uh, for the year. Um, felt like uh, was in an amazing spot physically and uh, got to camp early um, through a bullpen here last Tuesday. And unfortunately, um, after that bullpen, nothing during the bullpen uh, raised any red flags, just after the bullpen into the evening and into the next day. It's had some um, some elbow soreness and things of that nature. Taking a couple days to you know collect myself and our thoughts and it's, uh, it's, not, it's not something serious. We had MRI last night. Uh, we went ahead and did an MRI and uh, everything is structurally good. Um, probably best case scenario, my UC, my UCL is good, um, just a small muscle strain, and uh, it's going to set me back a little bit. But it shouldn't be anything like last year. It should be something where hopefully I'm I'm playing catch in the you know a couple weeks. This opening day, um, opening day is out of the question. Yeah. The Milwaukee Brewers added a couple of veterans, signing Luke Voigt and Tyler Naquin to minor league contracts. Uh, we've got a surprising number about the Milwaukee Brewers from last year. It absolutely shocked me when I saw this. We'll be talking about that with Sarah Langs. The Rangers' Josh Young uh, is preparing what will be likely his first full season in the big leagues. Of course, the Rangers are a team of stars. They got Jacob DeGrom, they got Corey Seager, they got Marcus Simeon. Josh Young is someone who can have an impact right away. He talked about preparing for the upcoming season. My little mantra right now is like, leave no doubt to myself, to anybody else. Um, just go out there and play the best baseball I can. Um, not peaking too early, I think, is a big thing. Last year, I said I peaked in January um, to just try to build up through camp and be ready to go for the season. I didn't uh, didn't crush it in the offseason and hit 7,000 balls a day, um, but coming in, just making sure I feel good every day, with whether that's with routine, BP, um, just having small wins, like trying to find the bottom inside part of the baseball that day, um, not having any sloppy paths, that kind of stuff, just coming in and being intentional with my work. He'd be a candidate for a big breakout season today. I'm going to ask Carl about major candidates for breakouts, and also we're going to throw some over-unders at him, win totals that we're getting from uh, a bookie in Las Vegas. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, not, um, you know, the most uh, uplifting topic, but yesterday on the College Game Day podcast, Reese Davis and Pete Thamel talked to Alabama's athletic director, Greg Byrne, about the situation um, with the basketball team, a, a you know a young woman uh, being gunned down allegedly by someone on the team. Uh, not a great situation, not uplifting at all, but a deftly handled interview, and you might have seen it on SportsCenter or uh, you know any of our channels. So please check that out, the College Game Day podcast. You can listen to that wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew 
designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All aboard. It's the Rabbit Train with Carl Rabbit. Carl Rabbit, play-by-play man on Sunday Night Baseball. And, Carl, you'll be the first play-by-play man to present the pitch clock on national television on Monday <laughs> afternoon when we do a uh, an exhibition broadcast of a game between the New York Mets and the St. Louis Cardinals from, from uh, Jupiter, Florida. I'm kind of fired up about it, but I must say, as we we, we both just got off our, our production call with this, like unrolling that <laughs> and presenting <laughs> yeah. it for a, a national television audience, it, it feels like you got a fire hose of information to throw at people. You do. I, and, and please don't, you know, don't kill the messenger because the messenger is going to be pointing out the pitch clock quite often. And we're going to see like we do with NFL games where the quarterback snaps the ball and you look at the clock and it says zero. And this guy is going to start his delivery at zero or did he start it? There, there, there's so much gray to this whole thing. It's going to present all sorts of challenges. There's, you know, we, we focus on the reaction of the players and the frustrations that they're going to feel. We've all been doing this for a long time and you know that there is going to be a part of the audience who are into it. And there's going to be a part of the audience that's going to say, you guys stop talking about it. It's overkill. Uh, We're all going to go through an adjustment period. Uh, but yes, I think the first time that uh, we exposed people and, you know, we did do this last year with the conversation around the pitch clock where we put a pitch clock up just to see what it would feel like. We're, now it now it's not only feels like it's it comes with some ramifications and penalties if you don't adhere to it. But what are they adhering to is going to be a bit of a question. So, yeah, we're looking, you know, you, you walk out on stage and you're a comedian and some some jokes work and some fall flat on their face. That's how I think this is going to be received. Yeah, well, as we were going through the this call, uh, you know, and then the call went out for other storylines, other things to talk about. I, my first reaction was like, "Yeah, we we we're going to be talk. We got plenty." <laughs> <laughs> like, between the rule changes and you know, the good thing is it looks like uh, you know Paul Goldsmith could join us, Adam Wainwright, of course, both managers, maybe Nolan Arenado, maybe Jack Flaherty. Um, we, we, we are going to have so much to talk about with the impact of all these rules. Yeah. And look, uh, here's the thing. We're, we're talking about baseball. We're talking about players. We're talking about a season. We're not talking about the CBA. We're certainly talking about new rules. It's, it's really interesting. I, and I know you remember this really well when Rob Manford became the commissioner um, I went down there to New York and sat with him and did an interview with him. And in 2015, and we're going to run part of that interview. He talked about, you know, in his world, he's certainly open to the idea of eliminating shifts and pitch clocks. And look, it's eight years later, and now they're being implemented. But he verbalizes those ideas, those concepts, uh, being open to injecting more offense into the game. And, you know, I guess if, if perseverance is a, is a trait to be admired. It's certainly something that he has proven here because these ideas were not new. And uh, that was an interview we did eight years ago. So we're, we're going to see some of those things. And I think tell me if I'm wrong or how you look at it. It's an historical season because of, yes. of these rule changes. This is a, this is a brand new era of baseball and how you looked at 
that last era, which was to me defined in a lot of ways by by defense, by these metrics, by shifting, by improved pitching, by by pro- providing all sorts of of tools to make the defense and reduce scoring uh, a big part of the game. And now we're going to look at an historical season in which there is there is a no veiled attempt to create more offense in the game. And uh, you will remember 2023, uh, how we remember it's to be determined, but we are going to remember 2023 as a significant year in major league baseball. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And I think that's part of the reason why, and, and I'm prepared for the onslaught of, uh, you know, the, the feedback, especially old schoolers would be like, why are you talking about the rule changes? Why are we focused on this? Well, because of the history, because of how significant these changes are. And yeah, thanks for reminding me of that interview that you did with uh, with the commissioners, because I remember writing a column the next day and saying, what are you kidding? Banning defensive yeah. shifts? That can't happen. Yeah. That would run yeah. against the grain of baseball. Boy, did I look I look like an idiot now, eight years later, because I, I, I was like, there, there's no way that you can do that. And in fact, n- not only are they doing it. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're, they are, uh, you know, this is something that people, a lot of people in the game believe needs to happen in order to help the team. And really, when you think about it, look, if you can find a, a way that you can make a better product, then you have to attempt that, uh, which is where I, I kind of landed on the, on all the rule changes, because I think what we saw over the last six or seven years with the game sort of developing into a slog and the use of relief pitchers. Yeah. They yep. needed to find a way to try to inject some acts, more action in the game. And we'll see if that happens. You know, I, I don't know if it's yeah. going to happen. I, I am, I'm excited to see what we see starting on Monday. I, I think the nuance, and that's a word we're going to use often, but I think that the nuance between these parallel universes that are existing um, is a, is a key component to all of this, because you, you just mentioned improving the product while at the same time, many of the decision makers that are currently involved in helping to frame how we improve the product were the same people who were at the forefront of improving their own product, meaning I want the Cubs' defense to look this way. The Angels are going to shift a lot. The Rays are going to employ an opener. So many of the people that were focused on their own product as opposed to the larger product now are involved and acknowledge what was good for my team wasn't in great that moment, for the sport. Right, in that moment. Yeah, and then wasn't great for the overall sport. And now you have the same very smart people looking at the game they grew up playing and watching and fantasizing about working in and saying, well, this is not, this is not that game. And I was partly responsible for in a sense, creating this monster. And now we've got to put the monster to some extent back in, back in its cage. And we have to do that even though we created it. So there's, there's sort of parallel universes that, that are at play on one hand, a team wants to do best. And yet on the other, we got to get people in the seats and that's the collective group that has to be better. So there's, there are those things. And I think it's a really, um, maybe not necessarily acknowledged or understood part of this. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's why, you know, next week is going to be exciting, a great unveiling. We're four games in four days, right, on ESPN. Uh, and yeah. I don't know how many of those games. I know you're doing the game on Monday and you're doing the game on Thursday. And then uh, in between, there'll also be some other broadcasts too. But it's the first national yeah. look at games yep. played under these new rules. And uh, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Yes. Uh so I was going to ask you about this. Um, yesterday, Fernando Tatis Jr. was the topic of conversation in the San Diego camp. Bob Melvin raving about how he looks. Our friend Alden Gonzalez did a report on SportsCenter last night about how it seems like he's very comfortable. He looks good physically. He's not going to play in the Padres' first exhibition game. But, Carl, he's someone who, if I were to drop a list of guys who I think are going to have huge seasons – he might be right near the top because we know how motivated he's going to be coming off that right. lost 2022 season. Right. And, and look, I think, Buster, I, the, the operative word in all of these things is motivation. And whether it's because uh, you self-inflicted damage to yourself and you couldn't perform, whether it's because you are hurt and now are healthy, 
Well, there's there's clearly players who are in free agent years that are motivated to do uh, as well as they can. And uh, unfortunately, it, it implies uh, that there are years where they're not as motivated as they would be in, in this particular season. And that, that part kind of sucks. Like I don't necessarily understand why every game and every year you're not as motivated as you would be. Um, but there are clear factors that increase level of motivation. He certainly is motivated the same way that Nick Castellanos is motivated uh, the same way that Jack Flaherty uh, is motivated for different reasons, but you understand there's kind of a heightened level of motivation. Adam Wainwright in his last year, he's always motivated. Maybe there's another level of motivation because I want to leave on a high note. It's These are all very individual um, you know, concepts of what's motivating me, but yes, he's certainly in the top uh, three or four players who, who have every right and reason to be motivated. Yeah. My son does uh, fantasy baseball and I've told him like, yeah. you should draft yes. Nando Tatis Jr. You should dr- jump a couple of rounds to get him. Cause I could see him being huge. I could see Manny Machado uh, yep. a year in which yep. uh, he's now going to be surrounded all year by an improved lineup, having Tatis Jr. Hitting in front of him. You know, I presume Soto's hitting in front of him. Maybe Xander Bogart's hitting behind him. Uh, right. It's a opt-out year for him. I could see him going big. I spent a couple days with Carlos Correa last week. I think he's going to yep. have a huge year. Like yes. you can feel his investment in 2023 based off of what happened this winter time. Maybe wanting to prove people wrong. Uh, you know, maybe because he's so Swanson driven. is another guy, Buster. Dansby Swanson. You know, anybody that was that was passed over. Xander Bogarts is motivated because the Red Sox didn't pay him. Dansby Swanson's yeah. going to be motivated to show the Braves screwed up, you know? And so again, a very individual, but yeah, all the names you're talking about absolutely uh, fit into that group of there's real reason to, and your son in the fantasy is a perfect example. Find somebody coming off a down year, find somebody who's, who's got this other level of motivation. Then it's another baseball season. And I'm trying to put up numbers. Kyle Tucker of the Astros is someone I sort of had pegged because of the the depth in that lineup now. Uh, now that you add a Jose Abreu to a Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Michael Brantley, you know, I saw him a couple times last week. He looks terrific. Uh, they yeah. feel like he's going to be able to come back and play. You know, you hope he can stay healthy. Uh, you know, the fact that, you know, he's going to have a good right-handed hitter probably batting behind him in the lineup. Maybe that's going to turn out to be Jose Abreu. I think Kyle Tucker's going to have a huge year and vault into the top 10 in the MVP conversation in the American League. Bo Bichette, you know, who last year, as good as his overall numbers were, there's some ups and downs. And I think there's something to prove for Bo in terms of his yep, defense. I agree. And I, I can agree. see him having a big year. And we talked on the podcast about Corey Seager and how he is projected by a lot of these uh, analytical systems as having being a guy who's really going to benefit from the change in the defensive shift rules uh, and what you can do there. I could see Corey Seager having a big year. Yeah, I, I, I would absolutely see most left-handed hitters having bigger years than they did when they were they were shifted. I, and you know, th- those are some of the bigger names in baseball. I think some of these rule changes, and this is another big name who I think is going to benefit dramatically, is a guy like Trey Turner. Uh, just the, literally the bigger bases. I I have Trey Turner as a 40-40 guy. I think that ballpark is conducive to homers. Truist Park is conducive to homers. Um, there's a couple of other parks in the division he plays in now. Um, I think he'll steal 40 bags. He was, he's was he been very close before. Um, Corbin Carroll's a name that we don't throw around very often in Arizona. But that's a dude that can absolutely fly. His defense is incredible. I think he's another guy that I would put on the list. Uh, you look at Cincinnati, there's not a lot to look forward to, but Hunter Green was ridiculous in September and October last year and you know throws 100-plus miles an hour. And I think in New York, and you know how I feel about this guy, but Michael King was as valuable a reliever when he was pitching as there was last year. And he dealt with that terrible elbow injury, but he didn't need Tommy John surgery. He's back throwing again. I think he has the best stuff on the rotate uh, on the entire staff. I think that's an all-star this year. So this is a couple of other names of guys that I think are going to have big years this year who, who may not be the Fernando Tatis juniors of the world. 
All right, I'm going to throw some over-unders at you uh, in a moment with team wins uh, based on projections coming out of Vegas. But before we do that, I want to ask you about uh, conversation happening in the Yankees camp about the Yankees uh, mulling the possible move of Aaron Judge to left field uh, when Giancarlo Stanton uh, needs to play in the field and, and potentially in Yankee Stadium, as you know, if Stanton uh, is in the in the uh, in, you know plays a defensive position, playing in right field, there's less room to cover in that ballpark. And Judge indicated to reporters that he's totally fine if that's something Aaron Boone wants to do. Carl, I got to tell you, like this has surprised me that it's taken this long for this conversation to take place. Yeah. It always yeah. made more sense to me that the better defender you want to have playing in left field versus right field in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, and look, I, I think I think that was personnel driven for the most part because they felt they had a, a left fielder. And prior to Bader showing up, uh, when you could move Hicks over there, who's a really good defensive player, that 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 was an issue. If you're just talking about Bader, Stanton, and Judge, what Stanton's playing, absolutely makes perfect sense. And he proved he could play center field, let alone left field. So, And he's that type of person. He's that player. He's got that contract. I'm sure if they said, Aaron, we'd like to think about you, maybe at first base, he'd say, sure. What You tell me what's best for this team that's going to help us win. He's he's that guy. But sure, I, I agree with you that that if it's right field or left field and it's Stanton or Judge, that, that Aaron Judge would make a lot more sense in left field. Yeah, I... I have have long been surprised that that because when you yeah. think of Yankee Stadium, look, left field is one of the toughest outfields to play in baseball. Yes. Kind of like right field yeah. in Fenway Park is is so difficult because of the size and that uh, the space out there and of course the angles. All right, some of the uh, MLB win totals that are projected by uh, BetMGM Sportsbook. Um, I'm going to throw some numbers at you. You tell me whether these feel too high or too low. Uh, let's start with. How about the Los Angeles Dodgers at 96.5, which, Carl, would be a, be a significant drop from last year? Yeah. First off, let's just preface it by saying Vegas is, is rarely wrong. So the, the, the numbers are generally pretty good in ballpark. I do think that they've changed a little bit. I think the pitching is is down a little bit. The question becomes, is Justin May a breakout star this year for some of the stars we talked about? But but it's a different team. There's there's no doubt about it. They're going to go with some younger players than they have in the past. The, the reason to hedge on the 96 is if it's not going really well, they obviously have the ability to change that and and fortify. And that's where I think it becomes a, a, a hedge because of who they are and what they will do to ensure that the Padres don't run away with the division if that's the team that everybody's looking at in that division other than the Dodgers, and it certainly seems like it should be. The National League East, the over-unders are Mets 95.5, Braves 95.5, Phillies 88.5 at the top of the division. Which of those numbers sound right? Which sound wrong? Well, the the first two sound pretty accurate. The third one sounds just way low. I mean, I'm more of a Phillies uh, win the division than the other two teams, and it's a horse race. I mean, this is three down the stretch, you know, separated by a game or two. And maybe Harper coming back when he does is the reason that they won't be able perhaps to stay up with those two teams. But we saw what happened to the Mets late last year, um, given given the play that they had in September and allowing Atlanta to catch them and subsequently tie them for the division. I think the moves Philadelphia made, and you heard me talk about Turner, um, you know, are, are, and Soto in the bullpen. I think Painter's going to be an impact pitcher, even though he's only 19. And during our, you know, our Sunday or, or Monday, Thursday spring training game meeting, you brought up Dave Dombrowski's got a history of, of bringing young pitchers, unproven major leaguers uh, to the forefront when they are 19, 20, 21. And, They've had great success. I think they do that again, and uh, I think the I think the number on the Phillies is is low. I'm I would absolutely take the over on Philadelphia. In 2022, the Cardinals won the National League Central with 93 wins, Carl, and their over under is 89.5. I would pound the over in that division. Yeah, there's so you know the the X factor for the Cardinals always is their starting pitching because there's this Jack Flaherty guy hanging out there who 
was so great uh, a couple of years ago and it's just dealt with injuries. And if, if he can be healthy and I know you've seen them in spring and they're excited about his, his ability to throw the ball, he's throwing it a little harder. They think he's healthy, which is, which is better than thinking he's not. Um, then they're better than, than that win total by a lot. Uh, I, I don't know who competes with the Cardinals in that division. And it's, it's similar every year. And I know the Brewers are, are kind of like the Tampa Bay Rays in which you, you just, you don't necessarily think of them as world series contenders. Like you do the Astros and the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Braves and Mets and Phillies, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they compete, but to me, the Cardinals are, again, the team to beat in that division, and you're going to have more than 89 wins to do it. The Red Sox, 77.5. The Orioles, 76.5. What do you think of those two numbers? Uh, Because the top of the division is so heavy, and I understand we have a balanced schedule and you're not necessarily facing them as much as, as often as you did in years past, I'd I'd lean into both of them exceeding those numbers, Um, honestly. uh, Look, I think there is an Alex Cora factor. I I think that their position players are better than 77 wins. I think the Orioles showed last September they're better. Rutschman for another year. They're pitching uh, healthy. Uh, I, I think they both... I think they both go over those numbers, and maybe that means that the other three teams or maybe the Blue Jays and Rays come back a little bit. Um, I think the Yankees are going to, you know, they're going to win 106 or seven games. So maybe the other two come back a little bit while I think the Red Sox and Orioles exceed those numbers. All right, Ravi. Well, I can't wait to see you in, uh, in Jupiter on Monday. I'm fired up see these rules in place. You've been talking about them for years and and now we're actually going to be able to roll them out. Yeah. And if it just goes totally off the rails and it's a disaster, can we just blame you? Is that okay? Can we say this is all buster? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. My, my two kids would completely approve of that if that's what you want to do. All right, buddy. See you soon. The other day, I got a chance to talk with Phillies head of baseball operations, Dave Dombrowski. And one of the questions I asked him in this interview was about Justin Verlander and what it's like for Dombrowski, who, of course, had Verlander with the Detroit Tigers, now on the New York Mets, opposing the Phillies. How's it going? Great. How about you? Good. Good. Uh, so, I think, you know, a lot of fans probably don't realize that Bryce is not going to be there at the beginning of the year. How do you guys, coming off the a season which you reached the World Series, sort of move on without him in the first part of the year? Well, we've had time to prepare and realize it was going to be like this. So I think a couple of things. Uh, first of all, you never really replace Bryce Harper. You do your best job. But we're in a position where we do have a lot of guys that have offensive capabilities that we can mix and match and move into the DH spot. We have a good extra player that Mundo Sosa, so we can move over and DH, depending on how we move our lineup with guys like Reese Hoskins, Alec Bohm, in the outfield, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, Russ JT Riomulto when he doesn't catch. All of them are capable of DH, and so that's a possibility. And then a guy that did a really good job for us last year from the left-hand side was Derek Hall when he came up. So he's a guy that uh, uh, is in our sights, and we'll see how he does spring training. But I think we'll mix and match and share the position like that. And, of course, you went through a lot of weeks without him last season. Yes, we did. And so we see that, uh, again, it's he's, you don't really replace him, but you hope that you play as well as you possibly can. And you can keep some of those guys off their feet early in the year, uh, which will help them later on when he does come back. So um, guys like Schwarber, Castellanos, you can go ahead and have him DH and play somebody else in the outfield at that particular time. So it gives us that type of flexibility. So um, I, that's what we've talked more about, trying to do it like that. Your clubhouse culture was so apparent during your postseason run. What do you think that uh, you know reaching the World Series did for that group of players together? I think it only has enhanced it, the type 
tightness. You can see it right away off the beginning. Um, and Rob Thompson is our manager who does an outstanding job of bringing people together with our coaching staff. Very close connect group and also very talented and knowledgeable. They have a good relationship with the players in that sense that they teach them, work them hard, but they can also let them have fun, which is great. And I think we also have a, a great group of leadership in our clubhouse. Uh, when we brought Kyle Schwarber over, that was really a cognizant decision for us, not only from ability perspective, but what he experienced from a winning perspective in the past. And I think as the year progressed and more players were exposed to him and some of the other things, you saw other people grow in that respect too and get closer together. So all of a sudden, you talk about Bryce, you talk about JT Riomolto, you talk about players like that from the pitching staff. You have Zach Wheeler and Aaron Noah, maybe a little bit different because they're pitching. But you just saw that group come together. Now we had Trey Turner. He's very close with the group of players. He knows Schwarber well. He knows Harper well. He knows Kevin Long well. Even the young players that we have, the Marshes, the Bohms, the Stotts, you see that they feel like they belong all of a sudden. And so uh, if those three can continue to grow in addition to who we have, and we think that they can, it really sets a great tempo. What's it like for you to see Verlander and Scherzer on a staff that you're trying to basically overcome? Yeah. Well, kind of uh, strange, I guess, in some ways, because I can relate to the time in which they were with us, and we were so good at that time, and they were so good. But of course, I've seen them pitch in other uniforms now for years, but to see them in the same division together is a little bit different feeling. Um, I remember uh, how great they were together and the great times that we had, and know how tremendous a pitcher, sure bet, first-time ballot Hall of Famers. And it, it brings back memories when you add Cabrera to that group, but how we never won a World Series, it's hard to believe. But a lot of great memories, and um, you know, I'll pull for them all the time, except when they pitch against us. So that's uh, how it'll be. And, um, but it's great memories uh, with them when you watch the two of them. Great memories for me. You know how competitive each guy is. How do you think they'll affect each other, the presence of, of both of them together? Well, they're, they are extremely competitive. They're like that. They're A personalities. They're number one pitchers on the staff. But the other thing they have is that uh, they both want to win a great deal. So... I know going back the years that they were with us, so now we're almost talking 10 years ago, they were uh, very competitive against one another even at that point. So they'll both want to be the best. So I'm sure that that will bring competitive nature. But only one of them has the ball on a particular day. So that day when they're on the mound, uh, they're their best particular pitcher at that point. So uh, there'll be, I'm sure, a lot of competition between them, but they have that uh, mutual desire to win a great deal. So when they take the mound, they're, they're bulldogs. and. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll have a chance of, when we can, we'll compete and try to beat them. Last one for you. You know Justin so well. I, I talked to him in the World Series about 300 wins, which seemed to be almost unthinkable that anyone might have a shot at that. And it was clear by the way he embraced the question that this is kind of in the back of his mind. What are you seeing in him at, uh, you know, at an advanced age now as a pitcher? Well, he's won the Cy Young. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, and I would think even this year, he works so hard. He knows his craft. He's, he still has a great arm, but he doesn't have the arm he used to where he dialed up 100 easily. But he also knows how to pitch with more pitches now. So I, I wouldn't put anything past him. It wouldn't surprise me that he could continue to pitch. Somebody asked me the other day about him, and I he said, did you have any idea that he pitched like this? And I said, well, you know, it's interesting. When he first came up, one of the people, not only ability-wise, but to me, when you looked at his body and the longevity, you looked at somebody like Nolan Ryan. And Nolan Ryan pitched till that age, and Justin has that same type of ability so maybe he doesn't throw quite as hard as uh, Nolan did later on in his career but they both threw very hard strike people out, pitch a lot of innings leadership, great bodies, great work ethic so it wouldn't surprise me if it could go out there and win 300 games Yes Oh yeah, no question, no question. Yeah, tremendous uh, You know, I was really lucky that they were both uh, pitch for us at the same time Alright, you're welcome, good to see you Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's code baseball. 
Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I talk with Braves manager Brian Snicker among the topics, the departure of Dansby Swanson. Great. Good to see you. Uh, sorry. No, that's good. <laughs> uh, you got a yeah, that's why I'm here. All right. I think he wants to win. Last spring, it was Freddie Freeman. Uh, in terms of moving on, this spring it's Dansby Swanson. He won a championship. How's your what's your sense? Your early sense about how your players are handling this? Um, fine. I mean, it's you know what we like I said we went through it last year. I mean, it's I think everybody's like it's just part of the business. I mean, this is the way things work. Everybody hated to see Freddie go, myself included. I hated to see Dansby go. Um, because, number one, I, the, the, the persons, the people that they are. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to be good friends of mine for the rest of their life. And, and um, uh, But you hate to see those quality players like that leave. But you understand that's part of it. And you know what? We lost one of the best players in the game, probably a Hall of Famer last year. And we did okay. You know, we're, we'll, we'll piece this thing together. We're, we're going to miss Dansby? Absolutely. You just don't... You know, replace a guy with that experience and what he brought to our team. But you know what? We're going to be fine. We have good candidates. We're, you know what? You have to. You have to. I mean, there's nothing we can do. I mean, they're, 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 they go on, and I wish them nothing but the best. But you know what? Well, we're going to take the group that we have, and we're going to be fine. Yeah. Versus a year ago. Oh, it's just, um, well, you know, a year ago he came in and he was rehabbing the whole time. And it, you know what? It was. He, he was on a different program. He's just one of the guys right now. He looks unbelievable. I think, you know, he's he's filling out. He's growing. I keep thinking, you know, saying it's like he's still a young man. I mean, that he's starting to grow and fill out in, into his body. I think he's probably as excited as he's ever been to be in the spring training right now because he did have a, a normal offseason. And, and there wasn't any restrictions. You know, there was a few restrictions. I mean, we just let him, they let him play X number of games. But I think he, he feels good coming into camp and he's doing everything he was one of the first guys there on Monday when we when the thing was officially opened up and guys could come he was one of the first guys that, that had been there and he's been there every day he's doing all the drills working running hitting everything and I, I, I guarantee you this kid can't wait for the season to start what you see in his confidence his outward outward confidence which seems to just be blossoming year to year it is I mean I'd be confident if I was in that body and could do what he could do on a baseball field um, but you know just he, he's even, I think he's even more like energized now and, and um, you know like I say every time you know when I see him they're, they're doing drills on one side then he's hitting and he's throwing and he's running and he's doing everything um, but I think he is he's a very and he should be a confident young man he's a really really good player one of the better players in the game and um, but it's just I, I'm happy for him I'm always happy for I didn't realize it and I've learned this over the 
the last few years just how difficult it is for those guys that have to spend a winter rehabbing and, and doing all that. And when they can just be do their normal routines, their normal workouts, um, their conditioning, everything that they do, and then come to camp and just be part of the, be one of the guys and, and go with their group and do all the drills and everything and play in the games and and not you know not have to be by themselves with the training staff on a backfield doing everything. Are there any restrictions with him at all no. in terms of? Because I remember there were days during the season yeah. last year where you guys were monitoring. No, we were we monitored the workload, um, and he went through a lot. I, I know you know he was he wasn't feeling great the whole time. He was structurally sound, but he had inflammation in that thing, and he he fought it fought through it. Um, but there's nothing right now. He's just like he was um, three or four years ago when he came in. So I think I'm, I'm happy for him because he likes to play baseball. How are you presenting the rules changes to your players? We're kind of gradually um, feeding it to them. I mean, you know, you got the stack of pages. I printed all of it out the other day. And I think it's just going to be really good. And we can talk about it. We've already started. We have the portable pitch clocks. That when the guys are throwing sides, we're, throw, we're throwing four guys at a time. with four. Everybody's got a clock in front of them. So they get the feel of that. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, the, some of the, the rules, the pitch clocks, the the workings of it, and I, I'm just I'm glad we're starting out with the games doing it I, instead of waiting until you know two weeks into it and having two weeks to do it. I'm glad we're starting from day one doing all that. So because I think we all talk about it different things, and we're talking to our minor league people that have, have been through all this. And it's it, we were sitting today the, or this morning talking to guys. It's really interesting to get their take on things and how they've adapted and watch the players adapt to to, to all this. So um, and, and I think you know we can talk to the guys and they're aware of it but until I think we it's going to be it'll be fun and interesting with the games to see how you know things work did you get contacted by Major League Baseball about a particular pitcher uh, anything because they, they told us the last two days there were some of those communications no I don't um, I think they're the, when we were talking today we have maybe two guys that we were, were aware of that, that have uh, you know like a double tap issue um, but but overall, you know, we don't we weren't alerted to anybody that was just glaring right now. And Vaughn Grisham, who does he remind you? He's totally kidding. <laughs> you have to do that. <laughs> I, must, I was just I was sitting there thinking, I wonder who he's going to ask me. About. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I, got, I think I got to watch him some more. You know who I got? Who you got? I got a little Ben Zobrist. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Because he's rangy. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, sort of that taller. Right, right. No, that's a good one. But he's too young. Yeah, no, yeah. He's just he's he's still. I mean, I looked today and he's running around. You know, it's almost like he. I was up there on on the treadmill or whatever, and he's down there like with his bat and his. He reminds me of Lemke when he used to be. It's like, how come there's no more guys out here? Let's go or let's get somebody to play with. You know. Oh God, he was like that last year. I remember when he was in big league camp. It'd be dark and he'd be out there stretching and and doing drills or running around there. He's a baseball rat, that kid. He loves to work. He's very open to everything you got for him. Very talented young man, too. But he just, he likes, he enjoys playing baseball. Which is, I said, man, what a novel idea. Having fun playing baseball. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, Yeah. No, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm probably as, as excited about game starting this year as I have been in a long time. Just was, you know, we're kind of things that we're looking at, holes to fill, watching him, things like that. So it's, I'm excited about the game starting. It's awesome. All right, good to see you. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing? I'm doing great, Buster. We have spring training games starting tomorrow. I am so, so excited. Yeah, but the game that matters the most, and you're going to be part of the broadcast, is on Monday when we get the first national roll of these new rules. Yes? Yes. I'm very excited to see uh, how they all how they all work, what's all happening, how people are reacting, how fans are reacting in the stands, how aware they are. I mean, it's going to be really, really fun to see all of that. 
So when I talked to Carl, I just mentioned to him, you know, we talked about guys who might be poised for a breakout, just a monster season. Uh, and I mentioned Fernando Tatis Jr. It just feels like he's gathering momentum. He's going to be so excited to return to the Padres lineup in uh, the last uh, 10 days of, of April. Uh, and another guy mentions Kyle Tucker. Like, I feel like he's already a really good player. He's not really known it, it, by a national audience in the same way that, uh, you know, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman is. But this is the year I think he absolutely erupts because he's going to be surrounded by so much depth in that lineup. For you, who's a who's a player who you think might uh, have a huge year? Well, I love both of those. For me, I mean, obviously I was talking about Juan Soto on the podcast with you on, Tuesday, uh, on Monday. No, no sense of time. That's, you know, the season is almost here. I don't know what day of the week it is. Uh, but I think <laughs> that he will, you know, he and Tatis both probably feel like they have something to prove in different ways. I think that will be a really big motivating factor. You know, another guy I'm really excited to see is Trey Turner. Obviously, with the new rules uh, on pickoffs and the bases, everything else. I mean, we know what he does on the base path. And I think he's going to be a really, really big asset to that lineup in Philadelphia. So I'm really excited to see him at that point uh, in his career and with this new team. Let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 90%. So speaking of Kyle Tucker and a few other guys, you know, we've been talking about these role changes all offseason. And one thing I wanted to make sure to point out is who are the guys who were shifted on the most last year among qualified players. So there were four guys to be shifted at least 90% of the time last season. Kyle's uh, Corey Seager, oh my gosh, excuse me, a 92.8%. Kyle Tucker at 90.9%. Cody Bellinger at 90.5%. And Kyle Swarper at 90.5% as well. So it's very interesting to look at those guys. We've talked about Corey Seager already this offseason. I think he had a really underrated year last year. And the idea that he, he could be even better without that defensive positioning against him is, of course, pretty fearsome for anyone facing him. Kyle Tucker, of course, as you said, definitely seems poised to really get that national attention I think he deserves. He's been a really good player for a couple of years. Cody Bollinger is kind of the wild card on this list. I think the Cubs are obviously hoping that not being shifted against might help him, but I think there may be a few other things to fix there. And then Kyle Schwab, I mean, it almost doesn't matter if you shift on him. He's just going to hit it out of the ballpark. But obviously not facing those will be a good thing for him. Number two. Number two is 30 for 30 points. So last year, Jesse Winker, now with the Brewers, had a 30-point difference between his expected batting average and actual batting average, which was tied for the third largest difference for any qualified hitter. So what that tells us is that he was getting unlucky, maybe with defense against him, whatever it may have been, his batting average should have been higher. He had a 59-point difference the same in his slugging percentage, which was also tied for third. I think he's a really good pick as someone to have a bounce back year this year. He had two surgeries in the offseason, his knee and his neck. He was dealing with a lot of injuries last year, and I wonder if those contributed to his very low hard hit rate. It was 34%. This was the guy who was at 47% last year in 2021 and 49% in 2020. But we know that he has a really good eye for the strike zone. 99th percentile in chase rate, so he is not chasing at all. And I feel like if he is healthy, he will get back to hitting the ball harder, which will solve a lot of those issues from last year. Number one. Number one is 15. So again, we've talked a lot about this incoming pitch timer. And uh, the 15 is for the amount of time the pitcher gets with the bases empty, 15 seconds. So we don't have specific measurements from last season of what guys were at. 
but Sackas did measure last year time between pitches thrown. So the difference is the timer is from receiving the ball back from the catcher to starting or delivering. So time between pitches thrown is obviously a larger number. But when the pitch timer was announced, there was a sort of average of how long it takes to receive that uh, throw from the catcher. And that was subtracted. So what we have is sort of a pitch timer equivalent. And again, these aren't exactly what the numbers will look like for this year, but it's a pretty good estimation. So there were a couple of guys whose number with the bases empty was 15 seconds or higher last year. Shohei Otani at 15.7 seconds. Luis Garcia, 15.2. Corbin Burns at 15.1 and you Darvish at 15. Again, that doesn't mean that if you would use the role last year, they would have been in. It's an estimation, but it gives you an idea of guys who may be in spring training right now, making sure that they're going to not have any alarm go off, anything go to red, go to zero, or anything. And then on the other side, because we should give credit to guys who won't even have to worry about this, here are a couple of the guys who were the fastest by this metric last year. So Cole Irvin, 8.1 seconds on that pitch timer equivalent. Logan Webb, 8.5. Shane Bieber, 8.6. Herman Marquez and Brady Singer, also 8.6. So they're in spring training saying, what, what pitch timer? I don't care about that. Doesn't even matter. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting about Darvish is that he ranked in the bottom four that you cited, despite the fact that he, he he significantly improved his pace. Like, he dramatically improved his pace last year. And Cole Irvin is kind of like a Wade Miley disciple, it feels like, right? Where he's just going to work yeah. and work and work. I've got two more for you. Speaking of the pitch clock, uh, I had a, uh, you know, a longtime big leaguer say to me recently that he thinks that there's going to become a common strategy among hitters that before a 3-2 count, that's when they're going to use their timeout, almost like icing the kicker. All I can say is I really hope that's not the case, where we get to a 3-2 count and the pitcher looks in for delivery, and then be, you know just before he starts the motion, the hitter calls timeout, steps out, kind of like we know that every time the, ma- the coach is going to ice the kicker. I hope that's not where we go to, Sarah. I hope not also, but it does seem like the best strategy, both from gamesmanship and just for your actual bet. I feel like the difference is, I don't know, there's so many 3-2 counts, and compared to every single field goal, I don't know. I hope that there's some sort of a sense of expediency that we don't need every 3-2, but... I also think there's a fun, dramatic effect if we have a huge 3-2 count, bases loaded, bottom of the nine, down by three. I mean, that is the moment that everyone wants to take breath, even if you're in the sand. So it'll be interesting to see how those play out. But I think with anything with these new rules, I'm hoping that they just sort of We're going to focus on them a lot to start, but hopefully at a certain point, there won't be anything that is every three, two pound or every big moment. Last one. uh, I'm just going to throw a number at you the other day. Uh, We've talked about the National League Central and the Pocota projections for various teams. I think it was a little surprising to see the Brewers projected for more wins than the Cardinals. In looking into some of that, I looked up last year where the Brewers ranked among 30 teams in runs scored. Don't look. Off the top of your head, where do you think they ranked out of 30 teams in runs scored? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to say, like, 26. Sarah, they ranked 10th. Oh, wow. That was shocking to me. When I looked up, and I'm glad that you had the same instinct that I did. When I looked that up, I'm like, really? The Brewers, when we – because I think of the Brewers last year as being this sort of run challenge, offensive challenge, especially with Yelich, you know, the last couple of years having some struggles. Tenth out of 30 teams. That was a surprise to me. You know, you talk about guys who, when you mentioned Kyle Tucker earlier, to me he's a stat cast darling. He's a guy who 
anyone who looks at underlying numbers has known he's going to be good for a while. Another guy on that list is Rowdy Tillette. I mean, he really hits the ball hard. He was big. I mean, now that I think about it, I feel like there was a stat with him with Grand Slams, and he had a couple really big games. Now I don't know if that gets them to 10th, but apparently I do think that the perception of the way Christian Yelich's career has gone really impacts the way we look at the Brewers, even though it's really just like any other team, just having one guy not producing all that much. Yeah, you're right. That that shocked me, and I'm glad it yeah. shocked you too. I could see in your face as we were doing that. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Here's Alex Cora talking about Alex Verdugo and also trying to get his players going in the face of a lot of negativism from the Red Sox fan base. What do you expect out of Chris Sale in 2023? Uh, I expect him to get on the mound Saturday. That's the way I'm attacking this. Uh, we talked about, you know, his situation a few weeks ago, and so far so good. You know, he threw a bullpen yesterday. Today he felt great. We're going to attack the next bullpen the way we were supposed to, and we'll take it day by day. But everything looks great. You know, you talk to him, and uh, he's excited about the opportunity to go out there and compete finally uh, healthy since 2018, to be honest with you. Uh, him and Pax, uh, those two guys, we talked about it yesterday in our meeting. You know, it's been it's been a while. We haven't seen these two lefties on the mound. So, uh, so far, so good. And um, like I said, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I've done that the last two years, and uh, something happens, right? Uh, broken pinky, you know, riding the bike, whatever, whatever. And uh, we've we just been patient, but he's been good. He's been good, and mentally, he's been great. How do you handle when you have uh, the departure of a long-standing player like Xander Bogarts? How do you handle that with your players? Well, to be honest with you, we have to turn the page. That's the most important thing. And uh, we love Bo- we love Bogarts and Vasquez and Rodriguez and Martinez and Betts. You know, I don't call them by the first name anymore. You know, they're playing for another team. I'm just joking, but that's the way we have to approach it. And uh, we appreciate everything they done they did for us throughout the years. But uh, if you go to that clubhouse now, you know, you got JT, you got Adam, you know, you got. Kike playing in a new position. You got Rafi, who just signed a huge contract. And if you ask one of those guys, they they, they can care less about what happened last year or what happened two years ago or in 18. You know, as an organization, we have to turn the, uh, the turn the page. We wish them the best. You know, except when they play the Red Sox. But uh, you know, this is a new team. Uh, there's a lot of new guys in this roster. We only have three guys uh, left from uh, 2018 and three coaches too. So uh, uh, it's just we got to attack 2023 the right way we come from a disappointing season we know we play in the best division in baseball we have a lot of work to do but you know our, our goal is to get better and see where he takes us you challenged Alex Verdugo at the end of last season and it looks like he answered the challenge with how he looks early in camp tell me what you see in him and your converse about your conversations with him yeah I mean um it's one of those that five or six years ago when people talk about this kid, right? It was a five-tool player. He, he's going to impact the, uh, the game in both sides of, of the field. And, you know, in 20, he was good for the Red Sox. 21, he was solid for us. Last year, um, you know, just, I don't, I don't want to say he struggled, but he didn't play up to his potential. And um, he recognized that, you know, he played a little bit banged up. He posted, which is very important, but I think physically he's in a much better place. Uh, we're going to challenge him to play fast. One of the things that people haven't talked too much about is like the player right field is gonna it's gonna be important now, you know, without the shift. There's not a guy in that hole, you know, it's back to old school ba- baseball, right? Men at first, left-handed hitter shoot the hole, and the right field has to make plays. And he understands that. I'm excited for him that he's going to the tournament and play for Mexico. I think it's gonna put him in a good spot, and uh, he's up to the challenge. You know, like I said yesterday, uh, box number one, it was checked. You know, and now we just gotta keep continue to get better, continue to to work the way he's been doing and um, I believe he's going to have a, a solid year. You've been in Boston a long time and you know how the narrative goes. Uh, you guys drew a lot of criticism during the course of the winter time. Uh, how do you handle that with your players? 
Um, I think if you go to a locker, you talk about JT and Yoshida and Verdugo in better shape. Uh, Adam Duvall, World Series uh, champion. Kika Hernandez, World Series champion. Kenley Jensen, um, you know, Corey Kluber, two Cy Young. So, you know, for everything everybody's talking about, hey, man, I, I get it. You know, we, we were horrible last year, so I don't blame you guys to, to think that we're, we're not a good team. But we do have a good group. We have a good baseball team. We just got to keep working and get better. Thanks, Alex. No problem. Appreciate Thank you, brother. Yeah, good to see you. Good to see you. Bleacher tweets. Already, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a Thursday. Uh, Pete Critch up uh, at Biotech Teacher writes and Buster with all the talk regarding pace of play and the pitch clock. Any discussion about reducing length of commercial breaks? I'm sure it's all about revenue, but there must be other ways to have ads that don't require interminable break in the action. No, Peter. That's part of the. As you noted, it's part of how. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball, how players get their money, and they're not going to reduce that. They're just not. Um, it's uh, it's always comes up when we talk about pace of play and and reducing commercials. That's how you pay the bills and uh, with your broadcast partners, and they're just not going to do that. Mark Worcester writes in Don Mattingly had several nicknames, including Donnie Baseball, but he said Cap was his favorite being captain of the Yankees does mean something big to the players. You know, Buster, we talked about this. We kind of mocked it, but I did kind of appreciate Aaron judge stepping up and being like, I'll play in left field, you know, like I'll do whatever that, that was, that was a captain. He kind of moved from him. And he would have done it before he got named captain. If they never <laughs> named him captain, he would have done that. Oh, all right. Lee Kemp at Lee Kemp 0511 writes in, I recently read a great and glorious game, baseball writings of a Bartlett Giamatti. Enjoy Giamatti's thoughts on baseball and it's fit as America's pastime. If still living, what might Giamatti think of the world baseball classic and baseball's growing international appeal? Anything that would expand baseball as in an international way, I think uh, Bartlett, Bart Giamatti would have absolutely loved it. Bart Giamatti was a pure baseball fan. Gabe at GP06119 writes in, I understand the backlash from fans for trades within division, but if you were waving the white flag anyway, wouldn't it make sense to do it at the expense of your future rivals? Like, wouldn't Mookie to the Rays make more sense in the long term for Boston? Yeah, Gabe, your, your thinking reflects that of, of modern front offices. Remember, Billy Bean was one of the first that I've heard uh, say that, like, who cares about trading in the division? Uh, yes, as long as you're making yourself better, that's the priority. And sure, you're taking prospects away, uh, you know, from a, a potential rival uh, in making a deal in the division. So, and I think most front offices feel that way. I will say it's the owners a lot of times that'll step in and say, for example, to the Mets or to the Yankees, uh, you know, hey, don't deal with the with the you know our city rival. Uh, you know, the Angels. And for example, if the Angels trade Shohei Otani this year during the course of the season, I think we can pretty much safely assume he ain't going to be traded the Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> PK Steinberg writes in when Harper comes back and is cleared to play in the outfield, who is the Philly center fielder? It feels like they have both too many outfielders and yet also not enough. Brandon Marsh, uh, I think he's been working on uh, his, uh, you know, hitting his left handed pitching so he can play more in center. Alex Darker writes in, hey, Buster, it seems like the Reds have been trying to replicate the Rays model. They traded away key players with two years of control left and put emphasis on pitching development. How would you grade the Reds' progress so far? How can they do better? I say an A-. minus. Yeah, I don't know if I'm willing to give a, a grade that high because we haven't really seen the impact uh, you know, as much in the big leagues. But I will say, when I talk to folks with other teams, they feel like the Reds are putting themselves in position to progress, I guess the question, Taylor, is, you know, will they, the Reds' ownership, once uh, they're in a position to, you know, potentially take a move forward, will they spend more? Uh, it's the same question we're seeing with the Orioles. Mm -hmm. Like, the Orioles clearly took a huge step forward last year, development of their best young players, but the question hangs out there, will ownership support that moving forward? I mean, the Reds' ownership could be like the Orioles, where they're more focused on bringing Bruce Springsteen to uh, Camden Yard. So wow. that could be wow. <laughs> I put it on a tee, and you clubbed it. Oh, uh, thank you, thank you. All right, uh, to close out Bleacher tweets, we had robust feedback on the Rev conversation. Sarah Gillespie. Uh, prompted the whole discussion. She writes in, okay, Buster, I hear your response to my Bleacher tweet. We can keep calling the Rev. Uh, if he discusses his theology of baseball, if not, bring me on the podcast and I'll give you the highlights of my baseball sermon. 
Um, I used to be That's like gonna a, happen at some point. Yeah, yeah. We'll get Sarah on to uh, to explain her to give her sermon. But I used to be like a Christmas Easter baseball guy, and then we started doing the podcast, and now I'm a little more regular. Uh, you know, and didn't go into the church of baseball. You know, with the Orioles and doing the podcast. So, um, was that a good analogy for you? There you go. Right. I like it. Uh, the faux crack writes in, guys, I've been a reverend for over 17 years. While it may be used more limitedly by some, it simply means someone has gone through the ordination process and currently uh, the faux crack works at a bank, still a reverend. So thanks for the support there. There you go. Uh, Dave Crawley, since someone said get rid of the rev, how about the minister as in the minister of podcasts? Ooh, lots of governments use minister for departments such as minister of defense, et cetera. I like that one as well. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah Gillespie, uh, send us a note. Tell us how you feel about that. Is that a good compromise? <laughs> Last one, P.K. Steinberg, uh, Pitmaster T hanging at the smokehouse could be less controversial than uh, the nickname and location, the Reverend at the pulpit. What do you think about that? Uh, Self-proclaimed I, nickname, you know, I, Buster. I would go more for the minister, P.K., than I would for that. Okay. What do you think? Although, Kelly, you love, you know, with the Pitmaster, you'd love to send out pictures of yourself cooking. Yes, it's true. Buster, we're going to do a podcast at the house this season, and we're going to, I'm going to smoke some meat for you. It'll be a delight. We'll have someone come over to for as a guest. Uh, so don't worry, man. I'm going to feed you one of these days. Well, maybe we'll do that when you're at, you come out and visit in Montana. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Like, uh, go out and grill in Montana. We'll get some, uh, who knows, maybe some buffalo. Oh, you want that? Would love maybe that. some milk. Yeah, some buffalo burgers. That would be yummy. <laughs> All right. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. Thanks, everyone. That's it for today. My thanks to Sarah, Ravi, Sarah Taylor, Brian Snicker, Alex Cora, Dave Dombrowski. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.